You know, one of my uh, very, very favorite female saints I may have mentioned to some of you before is a woman named St. Teresa of Avila, who lived in Avila, Spain in the 16th century. Amazing, incredible woman, incredible. And Teresa of Avila talked a lot about the difference between wisdom and knowledge. And she asked this basic question, what, is, what does it mean to actually become a wise person? And how do we become wise, right? It's a basic question. This is what Teresa of Avila said in her wisdom. She said, fear is the number one activator of our faults. Fear, if you imagine fear is like a trigger on a gun, she said fear triggers our faults. So let's say that your fault or your struggle is getting snarky with your wife, right? Um, or rolling your eyes when Father Ben is preaching. No, I'm kidding. Whatever it is, okay, none of us are perfect, okay? You're like fearful that he's going to keep going on. Whatever it is, we, we all have our fears. And she said fear is like a trigger that activates our faults, right? So here's the good news. When you are aware of that, you can control your fears more, which means you're a happier person, i.e. growing in wisdom. So at the same time, Teresa Vavili was living crossed this little body of water over to England, and there's a, a man named Francis Bacon. Maybe you've heard of Francis Bacon. If you've never heard of him, you've definitely heard what he said. He said, knowledge is what? Knowledge is power. That came from Francis Bacon. The mistake that he made is he confused. He said, if somebody has knowledge, well, they must be wise. But that's not the case. Is it? I would vote with Teresa Vavile, not just because she's a saint, she's just right, right? Takes a woman, right? But this is, this is the point. This is why I'm sharing this with you, okay? Maybe just something to walk away with. People that have knowledge, that are smart people, they often do well in life. But people with real wisdom remember what life is all about. In other words, in all of our careers, think about this. If we just went around the church this morning and we said, what do you do? 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 We've got, there, we'd all agree there's good and bad nurses. There's good and bad doctors. There's good and bad attorneys. There's good and bad plumbers. There's good and bad teachers. There's good and bad policemen. There's good and bad, believe it or not, priests. As history clearly shows, there's good and bad everything. So how do we become one of the good ones? Because no matter what institution or business you work for, including the Catholic Church, we can get jaded. The institution can make you jaded. Why? Because people that grow, that get higher up, they often step on people to get ahead, they cut corners in integrity, and they forget, why, why did I get in this to begin with? Why did I actually get into this to begin with, going way back in 30 years ago. Well, I, you know, as a priest, I wanted to help people. Well, why are you jaded? <laughs> Any institution can make you that way if you let it, no matter what it is. 
There are people that have knowledge that are smart people, and I'm not taking anything away from education, but they don't have real wisdom. And it's important to have wisdom because you're a happier person. <laughs> you enjoy life. And when you enjoy life, that has a ripple effect on your family, vice versa. You know, um, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He's talking about wisdom and knowledge. He says, and I'm quoting here, he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because although you have hidden these things from the learned, you have revealed them to the simple and the childlike. You know, we have people in this parish that are illiterate. I know people in this parish that have never gone to school. They can't read. If you gave them a recipe, they couldn't read it. But some of them have more wisdom in their pinky finger than I do in my whole body. The last will be first, and the first will be last. You know, this past week I was with a group of people in France, which was really awesome, and I was telling the Hispanics last night, I said, I thought I was going to have to buy two seats on the airplane, one for me and one for my stomach, because I did so much eating. I've, I felt like Shamu, my heavens, it was awesome. So we went to the uh, D-Day invasion, Normandy invasion sites in Omaha Beach, right? And if you've ever been there, um, in northern France, it's amazing. It's incredible. Oh, my gosh. So I've always wanted to go to Auschwitz, which I did about six, seven years ago, and I always wanted to go D- to D-Day invasion sites, which was amazing. It was a spiritual experience. And, you know, when you go there, it's like going to the September 11th shrine in New York City. As God is my witness, you can hear a pin drop. Total silence. Thousands of people. Total silence. So I'm there walking around, right? And I'm looking at this fields and fields and fields of crosses and stars of David of the roughly 30,000 American young men who died on June 6, 1944. And we're walking around, and I was walking in with a group, and at a certain point, I just knelt down. I was overwhelmed with emotion. I just knelt down and said a little prayer, because I felt like I was on holy ground, you know? And I'm looking at the distance between the ocean, this whole beach, and the cliffs that these kids had to climb, and they were kids the whole time dodging dead bodies and bullets. All this way. And as I stand up for my prayer, this veteran walks by, looked like he was 90. He's doing this. It's like how Father Ben looks when he gets up in the morning. And he had a hat on that says, D-Day Veteran. Wisdom. Wisdom. Isn't that ironic? I was thinking, it's somehow ironic that the people that appreciate the sacrifices of those kids back in 1944 are not Americans. They're French. Those guys walk on water over there, and they should. Isn't that amazing? It's wisdom. 
But it, often in our country, and I love this country, but often Americans, they want to sweep history under the rug or they just want to erase it. That didn't exist. <laughs> That's a negation of wisdom. How do we grow in wisdom? How do we become wise people? Three things, I think. Number one, you pray. You have a diet of prayer, okay? Every now and then offer up something. Are you grateful for what you have, brothers and sisters? Are you grateful for the fact that we're breathing air, that we can come to Mass right now, today? You know, you go to some churches around the world and you'll get shot for doing that. But we're here. We're going to have Jesus, God, in a few minutes. Huh. Do you pray? Number two, do you have a mentor Someone that can help you. I'm not talking about somebody that you look up to at work that is excelled. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody in your life that can mentor you as a human being. Call it a spiritual director, whatever. Just somebody that is a role model for you. That's brutally honest. That doesn't say things that you want to hear, but things you need to hear. Oh, and by the way, are you... A mentor for anybody? Because if you're not, it may be, I don't know, worth asking why. And finally, the last way that we kind of grow in wisdom, I think, we all know what it is, starts with an E, what? Experience. Experience. You know, as a parent, those of you that are parents, isn't that funny? You have one kid that... You love all your kids differently and the same, but one kid is a little more needy, a little one less one, this child, but you've learned from experience what, how, to, how to navigate that, right? If you have a newborn colicky kid, well, I don't know how to handle a colicky kid. Well, you call a mother that's handled a colicky kid. That's called wisdom. There's a nun that I know and she and I sometimes talk back and forth on how you go into some parishes and you'll ask the people in that parish and the people that, uh, some of the priests, why do, you, why do you do it this way? Why do you do it this way? Well, we've always done it that way. Well, there's a difference between we've, the people that will say we've always done it this way and the way things ought to be done. But, you know, if you're going to change the way things ought to be done, you're going to make enemies. There's going to be people that don't like change. Do it anyway. Lead anyway. And you may have people that attack you from the sources that you least expect. Lead anyway. Go forward. Because there's a big difference between people who have knowledge and people who have real wisdom. Because people who have knowledge are often doing well in life, but people that have wisdom remember what life is really all about. So I'll close with this. Those of you that have studied French in school, uh, raise your hand. I'm just curious. How many people studied French? Okay. So please stand up. I want you to translate something. No. All right. What is the difference between... Calling a woman Madame and Mademoiselle, if they're married, okay? So if somebody's married, you refer to them as Madame, it's a sign of respect. If somebody's not married, if they're single, Mademoiselle. 
If you go to any country in the world, any, any culture, any language of the 7,000 languages, they have ways of referring to older people in particular out of respect, giving honor, especially in Asian cultures, right? You know, this week, CNN ran an article that said that we should no longer use the word sir or ma'am in referring to someone because it's insensitive and offensive. I don't know about you, but people from the South, we read this and we're like, what? <laughs> Dude, where did you get that? I may have shared this with you, but when I was five years old, my dad, he said to me, son, when somebody asks you something, you say yes, sir, or no, sir. Yes, sir, no, sir. The next day, this woman said, Ben, do you want a candy bar? And I said, yes, sir, no, sir. I know you said one or the other. I didn't clarify that. Okay? She's like, that's an indecisive kid. But, so I'm, I'm reading this article. I'm like, how, how, how did we get here? We live in a culture that everybody is offended by everything. Everything. I'm offended that you're offended. I'm offended. So you know what happens when everybody's offended by everything? Nothing. It amputates all conversation, so nobody says what they're really thinking, nor can they get to know each other. Because we have amputated wisdom from the argument. Somebody that is really wise can have a discussion in an adult way, a non-combated, non-vitriolic way, with someone they totally disagree with, and still love them. Americans, I would argue, have lost that ability. How do we regain that? Two words. You lead. 